We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We're back again, Light Years Pod. Uh, Andy Lou here, Sam is Fandiari there. We are episode 42. The uh, one of the top, what, top three, top four Warriors of all time, Nate Thurman. I don't know, it's hard to say. It's he's definitely in the top, top 10, probably in the top five, right? 1964 to 1974. I cannot even begin to pretend like. I knew, but the Warriors. But he also shout out. he did um, years on the you know on the pre and post games. He was he's just like a lifer with the organization. Yeah, that that's exactly what I'm talking about. It, it, for him, and, and this is a shout out to Warriors PR. Probably not listening. Doesn't matter. But they do a great job of um, inviting people back who have been Warriors, even they aren't good, um, and then allowing them just a lot of publicity and just giving them a lot of like. Well, I mean, I guess just places in media or even just you know, watching games right you know what I, I always, and you know what i always liked about nate thurman he uh he was there when they when they sucked like during the cohan years he was just kind of loyal mm-hmm. to the area he liked living in the bay area he liked the people all, all that sort of stuff and like during that era no like yeah anyone who plays for the <laughs> warriors now is gonna 
pick up Lincoln's call and like come out for a little meet and greet, but he was doing it in like the OOs, the nineties, stuff like that. So he's got kind of like the soft spot, particularly for when you talk to Warriors fans older than me, like, yeah, I know, I know some of them exist, even though I'm like a hundred. Um, uh, they always like talk about him with, with such reverence, which is always kind of like a sign that I was like, Oh, Nate, he's like the OG of the Warriors, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he had a shop here in SF, and then he stayed, pretty much lived here. He's from Ohio too, so which goes to show you, if you are from Ohio, you you when you move to SF, it's it's better. You don't leave. So he died a couple of years ago. So um, R.I.P. Nate Thurman. It's, somehow this is a Nate Thurman pod. It's going well. It's yeah. a good start. Um, I mean, there there's only like three or four legends in all Warriors history. Period. <laughs> we get, we gotta call them out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> let's, let's keep well, it moving. They've got they've got they've got another legend uh that was not legendary in the All-Star game. We'll talk about that. I don't know how long you want to talk about that, but uh Steph Curry lost. Team Steph lost. Trapped by LeBron James and KD. Actually, what? How like, much help top 5 most iconic moment in, in the All-Star games, maybe? I don't know about that, but <laughs> I was dying at a end of the game trap and then LeBron celebrating like he won the title. Like, bro, calm down. <laughs> it was that, just, it was, you know, it, 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 the game only only counts when he wins, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember last year, uh, well, not last year, two years ago now, when he celebrated with Kyrie after Kyrie hit that game winner on Christmas? Man, it reminded me of that so much. Like, uh, just some meaningless game. And this was even more meaningless than that. I mean, listen, like, yeah, KD and Durant on the same team. On the same team, they had Russell Westbrook and Kyrie on the floor going up against DeMar freaking DeRozan, and they barely won the game. Um, not, not that it matters, but Jesus. like the that, South, that, that, ended, wild. that last play was comedy. Like, Clay cutting <laughs> completely the wrong way. I think my favorite part of it was that. Like, Clay cut right to Steph. He basically drove – he dragged KD to Steph to, like, get him trapped. Yes. And then – and yes. like Harden's kind of standing there. It makes no sense because like Clay, like all three of them are within like five feet of each other. It was just, it, well, it looked like, it looked exactly like a pickup game where you try to like draw up a play randomly at the end of it, but but no one's executing a play in a pickup game. <laughs> you know, it's funny because Clay would never do that. He would never, ever, ever run to the ball like that if it was a real game, right? Like he would be standing in a corner and just be taking one guy with them. Like if it was, if it was a, even if it was a game against the Suns, right? Clay would never have the, I guess like cocky or whatever it is, right? Unawareness. I wouldn't to just even, run I don't the even ball. think that was cockiness. I think that was uh, whoever drew on the, the clipboard, Clay was probably air, <laughs> airheaded about it. And he's like, oh yeah, I cut left when he was supposed to cut right. Cause he like just goes right in the middle of all the traffic. So I think it was, it was his, his focus level was exactly where where it should be for an All Star year, which is not existing. Yeah, that's 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 true. I mean, shout out to Mike D'Antoni who subbed uh, Steph out and kept Harden in as defensive institution, then didn't call a timeout um, after the May. That wasn't the bigger to- one. Like their best player down the stretch was Embiid, and he decides to take Embiid out for defense, even though Embiid got like three straight stops. It was like it was like vintage D'Antoni. You know, like oh. They're picking on the tall guy, even though the tall guy is blocking him every time. I'm going to pull him out. You know, it was just, yeah, I don't know. It, it was an all-star game. It's not that serious, but 
But since it's but we are annoyed. But we are annoyed. But since but it's Dan Tony, I'm going to say this is what's going to happen in the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, they are on track right now to play four or five, right? So they are on track to like play the Thunder in the second round, which or is Minnes- or Minnesota, uh, right? Or Minnesota, uh, which by the way, Jimmy Butler didn't play because he finally got a rest from Tibbs. Shout out to that. Um, that was a, that was um, just great. He's like, oh, I'm I, I'm not feeling well. I'm tired, and it's like, well, is he hungover or is he just know he's gonna have to play forty eight minutes a game starting next week? They've both, got both of them are plausible. <laughs> they got a tough schedule too. So, but but the but the Rockets. I mean, you, I mean, you kind of jumped into it, and so it, the All Star game doesn't mean anything unless we say it does. So, since we can talk about Mike D'Antoni and the Houston Rockets and what happened there, we're gonna draw, we're gonna extrapolate from that and basically say that this is kind of what you expect to see in the postseason, right? With what James Harden dribbling aimlessly round shooting step back threes even though he hasn't made a shot all game uh kind of that type of coaching we're not really sure what's going on at the end of the game there we've seen before from the rockets so is it concerning though i mean we've talked about it repeatedly but i mean it's it's exactly as concerning as it was two weeks ago and it's exactly as concerning as it is in two weeks um i don't know the the whole the whole Rockets cast is like a collection of dudes who I've bought into one too many times, and they've disappointed me one too many times. You know how much I like James Harden. You know how much I was like one of the first people to say he's like objectively better than Russell Westbrook when that wasn't a popular take. I obviously a big fan of Dan Tony back to the Suns days and like Chris Paul's. One of the one of the best point guards of all time, but like, how many times have I seen them make the same mistakes over and over again? Um, the All Star game means nothing. I'm just like, they're gonna have to show it to me in the playoffs before I'm not cynical and skeptical of them. Well, the other thing is, I'm because we talked about it so much. It's it's the one seed, right? I think that's what we're. I think that's where fo- not we, but I think that's what they're focused on here for the rest of the season. But the other thing is, the Warriors play like half their games against teams that are tanking. So it's – I think the Warriors have one of the toughest schedules so far, and now they play the Suns like three times. I mean Grant was talking about that last time. On the last spot, all they do is play trash. Yeah, they play the Hawks twice. I mean it's like – I was kind of – in retrospect, I was realizing like they, they just weren't really playing any of the really terrible teams during the regular season. It just kind of felt like it was a collection of like you know good to pretty good teams every week. And I guess now they're getting all the bad ones, right? Like, yeah, that makes sense. They were playing like the Jazz a lot or whatever. You know, those like mediocre teams, but like when they play up, they'll beat the crap out of you if you're messing around, which is what the Warriors were doing all, all the time. So they were getting smacked by these like uh, – these Or teams like a that, Minnesota or, you know, Portland or stuff like that where you're like – I mean, yeah. y- you can you can point to flaws they may or may not have, but they're, they're not Atlanta. They're not Brooklyn, you know. <laughs> so um, – but – yeah, I don't know. I still kind of think Houston's going to be at the one seed. I think Houston's going to break their back getting it. And I'm pretty sure the Warriors will go the opposite way. Um, it's going to be interesting because I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent confident that uh, every team's going to start jockeying the last week and a half. And like, you know, you could totally see like an OKC or someone like rest everyone one night to like get a loss to fall back one seed or, or vice versa with like a Minnesota or San Antonio. 
Um, actually, that, that brings up a good point. Kerr had a quote today to Anthony Slater. He says, rest will definitely win out over everything else. Health is number one priority. So that means if guys are banged up, we're not going to push them to try to get the one seed. Basically saying, if you're expecting us to go full throttle and try to go 23-1 and one to get the one seed, it's not happening. Yeah, but I don't think that matters. Like, I, I don't think, well, outside of like a crazy injury, I don't think that'll be the deciding factor. I think the Rockets will just lose games and the Warriors are just going to be, they're just going to be better. I think that's, that's the other thing too, because um, I don't, how, how don't, I don't see them being this bad. Uh, I shouldn't say bad, but like being this mediocre for them for that long. It's just, they've had a week off. They, they've got today, tomorrow. They don't even, they're not even on the court practice wise. They don't practice to Wednesday night or like Wednesday afternoon right before that game on Thursday. So they literally have actual days off where they're doing nothing um, to, to, to prep for this stretch run here. So I think though, and guys are tired. Like Steph is tired. I don't think KD is tired. I think he's, he's a freak. I think he's fine, but Steph is exhausted and Dre is injured. And even clay but is K- tired. KD conserves his energy uh, in like a LeBron way, like not playing defense for a month. <laughs> which is what he did which yeah, is what that's, he did. that's what i'm saying the guys are actually tired that that's the thing so so it's like i i, I think the rockets are gonna wear down and it's just the Warriors are just gonna win like 15 games in a row here you know like, but I, think, I think the warriors fatigue is more mental i don't know that like steph has dead legs or clay has dead legs or anything like that i think they're just I mean, they don't, there's, they're not going down double digits in every first quarter because they're, they're dead, you know, like physically tired. It's just like, they're not there mentally. So I don't know that that's something that that's really going to change in the second half, unless they want it to. I I think Houston's going to for sure get the one seed. I don't think Houston schedules that hard. Like it's easy. It's harder than the Warriors, but I don't, it's not, it's not like they're playing the Warriors five times or something, you know? Yeah, they do want it more. There is that. So that's, that's the thing. Like I, I will, I will believe that Houston is willing to slow down and take the long view when they show me they will. I think they want, I think they think if they get the one seed, they have a realistic chance to win the West and win it all. Um, I think they're going to push for it the way the Warriors push for it. Um, in like 15 and 16 and that sort of thing. Well, they, they have to. I think they have to. It's funny because um, Daryl Morey, the uh, the Rockets GM, who uh, is, I think, the exec of the year or should be in there every single year because he's that good. He was on the Bill Simmons podcast and he was talking. He can You can see him getting um, – it just came out today. You can see him getting visibly annoyed when Simmons was going over the odds and saying how the Warriors are still a massive favorite despite the Rockets having uh, a better – technically a better record. And it was crazy because – um, you can you can kind of notice how much the Rockets feel like they are slighted, uh, even though they've never proved anything. And that that's the other thing too, is that they want this one seed, um, be, one because they want it more. But I think it's just because for them to know that hey, we belong here, right? They're still going to be underdogs if that's a Western Conference Finals matchup. But it's such a huge mental thing for them. I think it's it's and it's from down, you know, top down, from Maury to to Chris Paul to PJ Tucker to Clint Capella. It's like they want to be badly known as the team that can be just as good as the Warriors, and something as vague as odds is gonna is gonna tick them. And he when when Simmons was saying, uh, you know, he had KD and Steph on one team, Maury pretty much cut him off. And was like, yo, we have CP3 and Harden, right? Um, and so you can kind of tell you that's one of the things that I think irks him a lot and the franchise a lot. They just want to be known. 
as a good team, right? Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I think if you um, if you were ever able to get Maury off the record, um, he'd never admit this publicly. I think they want to show that they can hang with the Warriors enough to be a player next summer and then get that piece that can actually put them over the top. So I think that's like a big part of it. Um, LeBron and Harden and CP3. Yeah. I mean, or, or Paul George, or I don't know, like they're, you know, they're going to be aggressive pursuing someone in the off season, no matter what happens. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of respect their, I kind of respect the hustle. Like they're, they're at least trying to challenge the Warriors. They're not um, mailing it in. And like, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to see a team who's like, you know, thinks they can beat the Warriors and are willing to go at them. Makes it a lot more fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. I mean, that's, I think that's the only team left. That's crazy, man. At least that's something. (laughs) At least that's, I have uh, a, I have a theory though. I have a theory, both the Warriors and the Rockets want to avoid OKC. I don't think either of them want to have want to have to deal with Stephen Adams, Paul George, Russell. They don't have to deal with that in the second round because objectively, that's going to be the just more physically taxing series. You know, like whoever has to go through that's going to be more tired going into the next round. And I think Kerr specifically doesn't want to have to deal with that. I think he knows like. It, it, that that's just like that's a worse series to go up against. Not that he doesn't think he can beat them, but like if he could avoid it, why wouldn't you? But which is interesting because if OKC's the five seed, and, and by the way, they're only I think two games out of not being in the playoffs itself. But let's just assume things hold, and they're the five seed or the and four the, but seed. they're a half seed. They're they're one loss away from being but, the seven. You know, or, let's or, or the, or the eight. that's the thing. What if the Warriors are the two seed and they don't play OKC? What if Houston's the one seed and they have to play? Let's say they let's say Houston has to play Utah, right? They have to play Utah with Rudy Gobert in that defense, and they have to play OKC second round, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're worried about Utah at all. Utah's style doesn't really bother them. Uh, they'll run know. they'll run Gobert off the floor. Will they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you're just going to run Rudy Gobert off the floor. I don't think that's how it works. Um, but uh, with the def- one of the defensive, best defensive players in the league. But I don't know. Like if, you, if you're Houston and you got the one seed and all of a sudden you're stuck playing OKC in the second round, that home court advantage might not mean much. Because um, I, th- I mean, end of the day, I think the Warriors are, are, are taking care of OKC in five tops. I don't think that matters to your point. I don't think that matters at all. I think they turn up and they try that things over in five. Uh, because the, the Thunder can't score. Um, and they're not going to be playing all this like little cutesy little Zaza Pachulia on Steven Adams all day type of crowd. I, I, that type of stuff is not going to happen in the postseason. But for Houston, I think that matters. If they have to play the Thunder in the second round, then that becomes interesting. They play that hard for the one seed just to play the Thunder in the second round. And then you got to play the Warriors. Um, and by in, the way, this all oof. this all assumes the Spurs will hold the three seed and they won't get Kawhi back. Like... It, Kawhi-less Spurs are a very easy matchup for both teams because that, but like, who's to say Kawhi doesn't come back in two weeks and hasn't worked himself into shape by the playoffs, you know? There, there's, I think that's the interesting thing about it. Like, there's absolutely, we know kind of seven of the eight teams who are going to be in the playoffs, but we have absolutely no clue how they're going to look or in what order it's going to come in, right? 
like OKC could be the four seed, they could be the three seed, they could be the eight seed. Uh, Minnesota could go the same way, you know. Denver could go that way too. It's it's all jumbled up. I think it's going to lead to some some crazy jockeying the last couple of weeks. I think we're going to have one of those one of those games where someone like I don't know Denver will want to play someone else, and they're going to like randomly decide to sit. Uh, all their key players and have like Mason Plumley launching threes to lose the game. Yeah, that's gonna be. That's, I had. I think I picked. I think we had one. Com- we had a piece on Warriors World Roundtable coming out tomorrow. I think. I think I picked Denver finishing third, um, just because I like. Just because I like that team so much, just aesthetically. So <laughs> they got Millsap coming back in like a couple weeks here, um, and Jamal Murray is low key one of the best point guards. Um, he's going to be one of the best two-way point guards in the league. <laughs> Even though he can't big. pass or defend, Great I'm point. not. Yeah, well, he's got the he's got the ability. He's got the size to defend, I think. So, and he's got the athleticism. So, maybe he won't be a Westbrook out there. But, um, but hey, I got a. We're gonna one final topic on the All Star Weekend. Um, we're gonna talk about LeBron James and Durant's uh, video that they had with Kerry Champion, um, which is which is good. We're gonna take it from one perspective and not about Fox news, which Sam would love to talk about, but we're not going to do it that way. Stop it. We're actually going to talk about, um, how KD and LeBron, uh, incessantly saying that they were the top two best players in the world. Um, so my thing is, um, whether that may be true or not, um, I, I don't think it is, but whether that may be true or not, um, the fact that LeBron for one makes sense, but the fact that KD has to keep saying it just, it's, it's getting to the point for someone like myself where it's annoying. It's just, dude, like, it's not like, this is not how you, I wouldn't say endear yourself to a fan base. Um, cause he's the guy, he's the finals MVP, but it's just one of the things that it's hard for someone like that, who acts that way to be like fully embraced. It might not be fair to him. But it's just as someone that has to say that, and you can you can kind of see why he's saying it too. Um, it's it just it's hard for him to be embraced as a warrior, which kind of makes me think. Uh, at the end of his career, I just it's going to be hard to see if he plays the rest of his career as a warrior. It's going to be it's going to be hard to see his place in fandom in the NBA, right? Both from Warriors franchise, Thunder franchise. And the rest of the NBA, it's just hard to see who actually will love this guy like undividedly, like someone would for LeBron or Steph or Westbrook. We've had this conversation before, but it just it kind of speaks to why he's not loving that way. So I I, I want to hear your thoughts on it. It's it's interesting to me just just because he's obviously insecure about it, but I kind of don't understand why it has to be done repeatedly. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it. I, I spent a while thinking, like, who are players who everyone objectively agrees are amazing, but, like, just have no emotional attachment to? Like, run down the, I don't know, 10 or so most iconic players of your lifetime. They they elicit an emotional response out of right. you in one way or another. Like, Kobe, you either love or you hate him, right? But you you have a passionate feeling one way or another, right? You could even go with someone who's like not necessarily, you know, like Allen Iverson. Everyone has an opinion on him, right? Like he elicits some emotion out of you. 
does Katie, you know, like, I mean, and it's not like in a Tim Duncan way that like over time you're like, you know, this guy, you just got to respect him for, you know, doing it in his own like boring old man well, way. I guess Duncan is a good comp. Yeah. I guess, but Duncan stuck with one franchise and was like their yeah. rock, you know, like uh, OKC fans will never feel that way about KD and Warrior fans have Steph, you know, it's not the same thing. Now, granted, um, like you could say if if Steph is like the Kobe for Warriors fans, which is it's an accurate comparison. Like the way Laker fans just stand for Kobe is the way Warrior fans are gonna be with Steph for the rest of his life, right? Mm-hmm. Um but like, you know, Shaq Shaq's even different. Everyone has an, a strong opinion on Shaq. He's larger than life, right? And if you go to the second iteration, like Pau Gasol, well like I mean Powell's not really an all-time great in the way that KD is, right? Like, it's not really the same type of comparison. So I, I don't know. I, it's, it's just weird. Like, maybe, maybe something happens in the next five to ten years that changes the course of KD's career. But it's just, it's weird to, even now, like, I don't even know how many people hate him. They're just like indifferent to him, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not like LeBron when LeBron went to Miami, where certain people were just like, you know, ride or die. Like, no, this guy's the greatest. I hate you all. And then, like, most people were like, I hate him. Right? <laughs> you know what? It, he doesn't get that reaction. He, you know, you know what? It, oh, shit, I lost my train of thought. But I was, I was reading. I was just finishing up. Um, I, had, oh, I forget his name. So the book. It's a book called Golden Days. Um, and it, basically, one of the things was. Um, he was, and KD knows it is that he was talking about Russell Westbrook and how he transformed the game by athleticism in a point guard's body, right? Steph Curry shooting, um, from a point guard from that far. And then you've got LeBron James transforming the game, uh, from passing from a wing player. And then he goes down to it and he asks KD like, okay, so what about you? Cause you're right up there with those guys, if not better, right? Cause he could easily be better than all of them. And he basically said, I'm just here to do my job. Like he's just going to be there. Like he's a guy that's just going to be there. That's going to, going to be really good. He doesn't necessarily transform the game in any way like those guys. So like I, he, I guess that's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause he is more versatile than all those players, including LeBron, like LeBron's, shoot, yeah. LeBron's amazing, but LeBron kind of forces you to play his way, yeah, which yeah. Is, obviously works, but um, like KD, you can literally put KD on any team and he may be the best player on that team no matter what. And you don't have to run anything for him. You don't have to do anything. He can just he just kind of fits into everything. Like he might be the most talented player of all time from that perspective, you know? Sure. Um, he's like a role player, but like the most talented player ever. That, that's kind of what he is. He, he's I mean, he's not a role player, but he's got that type of um, skill set, I guess you could say. But it's also the greatest skill set ever. Yeah, like he can he he can score from everywhere at an elite level. He can defend every position. He can make the passes he needs to make. You know, it's just. But yeah, no, it's not like yeah, like when Steph's rolling, you you see his impact because he just pulls up from wherever he wants and pulls all these guys out in every direction. Russ the same way uh, with like his athleticism and like you know whether he goes eight for 30 or 15 for 18 or so, you know, so like that, like his presence will be felt. Um, it's strange. I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe he, maybe he has some moments 
in the next few years that change that. But um, I've, I've never seen a more talented player who is, I don't want to say anonymous because he's not anonymous, but like <laughs> it comes across that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even, I don't know. It, it's part of it's like the Houston thing to me too. It's that he wants to find a way to be like, he wants to be in that conversation to be the best player in the league. And when Steph was considered the best player in this unanimous MVP season, he never like chose to, well, I mean, he chose to be there like physically he was that good, but he never was like saying it outwardly. He was not like coming out here and saying, Hey, I'm the best player now. This is my league. Right. With Duran, it's, you can tell it's like, he wants to be that guy and that's good but it's also well you're a guy on the golden state warriors there's steph curry and it seems like you're you want to be unaware of the fact that this guy is here again all of this is not bad all of this i think these guys are okay well, and that's and that's the, it's just from our perspective and then there's the other part of it where he'll like openly praise steph and like say it's steph's team too you know um, you could never, if LeBron came to the Warriors, which, you know, he's going to do next year, now that we know, but um, <laughs> you would never hear him go like, this is Steph Curry's team. You know, <laughs> he wouldn't say that stuff. Uh, I actually, you got me thinking about it. And the only time I ever felt like KD kind of put a stamp on something was his MVP year when Russ was out, when it was 100% his team and he was out of his mind for like three months there when Russ was injured scoring like 35, five and five every game. Um, and he was playing with like, if you, if you go back and look at that team, it was Reggie Jackson, a rookie, a rookie or second year Roberson, uh, Ibaka. And like, uh, I think Perkins was still the starter then. Like it was not a good team, but he was just carrying them to win after win. Cause he was that talented. That's the only time I could think of where everyone was like, you got to see KD, like you got to see this guy, you know? But was there some, some kind of like move or some kind of number or something that defined that, right? That's the thing. It's, I mean, he had something like, he had something like where he scored 40 in 15 out of 20 games or something. Like he was going crazy. I mean, he was going nuts then. Like it's, he did have 53 on the Warriors uh, in that span and that was one of the craziest games you remember that game yeah like Steph was going off and he was just matching every shot uh, it, it's crazy and now we're now we're talking about it. I haven't even thought about it but the craziest thing with Steph is I mean with KD is it's not even a thing that he does it's just who he is for me it's just he's seven foot and he can handle like that's what that's the crazy that's the signature thing for me about him it's not a shot it's not a move it's not a dunk or anything like that it's that this dude is a center but can dribble better than the team's starting point uh, shooting guard, right? right? Like that is he, he has like a point guard's handle essentially. Yeah, that's. I guess that that's going to be the thing I'll forever know. Like remember KD about it's. It's just weird that it's that and it's not you know his his step back jump shot or <laughs> or uh, fade away you know because he not any of that you know whereas with with LeBron you got blocks you've got you know his drives Westbrook's obviously Steph you got a shot and it's like man. And he hit the game. He hit essentially the game-winning shot against the Cavs last year. Like pull up three. <laughs> like I mean, it's I don't know. Maybe it changes, but there is just kind of a weird. It's just weird. It's by hot. the by the way, and and actually the other part is um, because we're to, last year was easy. 
it was 16 and one, and there weren't many signature moments. It's going to get harder. I mean, you think Houston's going to get the one seed, right? Let's say the Warriors have to play OKC, and they, and like you said, let's say they want to avoid them, right? Let's say they don't, right? Let's say the Warriors are the two seed, and they got to play OKC, and then Cleveland looks really good. At a certain point, the Warriors aren't going to roll through these playoffs, and there's going to be moments where there'll be signature plays, like in a game six in Houston or you know a game seven at home where the Warriors. You know, where, where KD hits a big shot or something like that, right? There are going to be, there's so many years left for those moments. So maybe I'm just being a little, you know, being a little baby and expecting that, you know, in year three of this run. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be so many more years where the Warriors are not going to be this good because it's not like they're going to keep getting. Yeah, like Iguodala is going to keep getting worse. Yeah. They're yeah. going to, I mean, well, they're probably going to get Anthony Davis now, <laughs> but like at some point, you know, the center position, just things adapt, you know, people slowly decline. Draymond's uh, definitely not been as consistent as he was in previous years. Ooh. And all those things like lead to changes in the margins, right? Ooh, I thought you were going to say something else about Draymond's year. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well. Um, all right. Well, we'll let's, let's move on. We've got, we've got a couple of topics. You want to do Hall of Fame? Yeah, so I I just think it's um, it's one of those things that always makes me feel like I'm getting old when you start seeing like all the names who are Hall of Fame finalists are like players you remember watching, and this one really hit me kind of close with Jason Kidd and Steve Nash, who I would define as two of the five players who probably have like the biggest influence in terms of my basketball fandom. Um, I'm older than you, but like anyone around my age or older who's from the East Bay remembers the hype around Jason Kidd when he was coming up through high school and at Cal, like he sold out Oracle Arena in high school. He was, <laughs> I don't know that there's like the the high school player who's the most hyped high school player ever is LeBron James, right? Uh, but I don't know that there were many players as hyped as Jason Kidd was in this area where like it was a big deal. And um, because of that, he became one of my favorite players who like, you know, I followed his whole career. And because of that, I ignored all the, you know, shitty stuff he did. <laughs> uh, and, and then there's uh, Steve Nash who like that son's team um, probably reignited my love and, the NBA more than anything. Um, the the early OOs kind of sucked for basketball, the NBA specifically, like the Lakers winning, all the dubious officiating, the Spurs, like every game was like in the 70s. It just wasn't that cool. And then those D'Antoni sons with Nash came along and all of a sudden everyone's like, you got to watch this team. Um, and so I always, those are two of my favorite players of all time. And it's just crazy that they're, they're, most likely both going to be first ballot hall of famers and I'm getting old. <laughs> Let's run through some memories. I've got two memories because, uh, before Steph Curry was before I'm saying before Steph Curry, like he's a, like BC Steph Curry, but, um, before him, Steve Nash was my favorite player. It wasn't even close. Um, I, I didn't, uh, like watch any really like, I mean, I was a Warriors fan, but like, that's who I would watch. I would watch Steve Nash. Um, because I just, I played center growing up. So I wasn't a point guard. And, and if you're, if anybody's listening, if you're a center, all you ever want to do is want to be a point guard, right? You want to pass, you yeah, want to dribble, the, you want to shoot. So that's how I felt about Jason Kidd when I was younger. And then also that, cause like I was a tall kid 
Um, and I was always playing center or power forward or something like that. And all I wanted to do was be the point guard. All you want to do. And it's funny because um, because they, they said Curry was someone like Steve Nash, which is crazy because he's not. It, it, just, it was just the best part. But he, but he also is. <laughs> he's got the same. Some of it's the same, but really, it, to me, it's the opposite just from the perspective that you have the game plan for Nash to uh, drop 30 to win. And for Steph, you have to game plan him to not shoot the ball at all and double him in order to win. Like that's like for me was the big difference between the two. Um, My memory of both of those guys was, well, well, one on the court for Steve Nash, it was his dribble and baseline, pull it back out, survey the floor, dribble baseline again, do the same thing. He'll never shoot. He'll always look to get the guys involved. That was number one. I always remember that. That was okay, awesome. Side note, can we, uh-huh. can we say how, e- how easy he made it look to just like pro baseline? <laughs> like, he, you know, like he'd never get stopped doing it either. He'd just get exactly where he wanted to get. Yeah, he just <laughs> – like he, he had guys on a string and it was like – it was – I mean, he, look, he's white and he's not the most, most athletic like Steph apparently, but it's just, he, he was able to get where he wanted no matter what, cause of his shot, you know, kind of like, kind of like what Steph does. So it is similar in that aspect. Um, yeah, and then number they, they two, have similar skill sets and they use them in opposite ways. That's kind of the, the funny thing about the two of them, right? <laughs> yeah. They had, uh, the dribble. I, I never knew, I never thought Steve Nash's dribble was that great, but he kept that thing alive and he wouldn't turn the ball over though. So that's another difference that, I mean, he might, but not as dumb as the way Curry does. Curry is like flashy and he'll make a lot of like crazy passes. Nash was very like Chris Paul-ish with his passing. He'll, he'll hold the ball a lot, but he can command that offense and pretty much run everything through that dribble. Curry is more run everything through that gravity, um, which is a little different. Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing I was going to say that they both, that's like the, the signature similarity is like, when either whenever either of them were on the floor, the team just immediately played faster. Like they they both had an uncanny way of like pushing the pace, um, just by like the way they moved. Like both of them would pass the ball ahead. Both of them would just constantly be in motion. You know, like Stephen Ash never stood still. Same way that Steph doesn't really stand still, right? And then just like playing with them, like they they just had they had a similar moxie and personality about him that like everyone was always like in a good mood around them right yeah that was and now and now steve nash finessed himself into a ring with the warriors because he <laughs> is a part-time consultant apparently that shows up two times a season what a so. great what a great game he like shows up and like shows katie how to take like a one <laughs> one uh one-legged like hop shot and then he's like ah, all right where's my check joe <laughs> And he actually got a ring. That's the best. I actually didn't think he would get one, but apparently, anybody that's associated with the uh, uh, with the team gets one. So I guess, well, hey, might as well, right? Alvin Gentry got one. Um, so uh, I was gonna go through the second part with Steve Nash, which is more, which is more fun. Um, he's kind of the person where, when I was growing up, I was young when I was watching, maybe like middle school. Um, that I wanted to grow my hair out because he, he would always do the thing where he lift his fingers and either either wipe his shoe to make it more grippy on the on the floor, either that or swipe the hair back behind his ears. Super nasty, like the way that Steph has his mouth guard out. Yeah. And he's always touching it. But with Steve, he, Steve Nash would always do that with his hair. And I would want to grow my hair out so I could do the same thing. But again, I'm not white, so I don't have like the curly hair that he has so when i grew it out it was more like flimsy and my hair even if i did that would never <laughs> stay behind my hair but 
I mean, hey, shout out Steve Nash, who who inspired many haircuts that uh, that I've had in my life. <laughs> yeah, the um, he he really does have like a similar like essence to Steph in the sense of they just like you could make fun of them for like the mouth guard thing or the hair thing, but they didn't care. They just did exactly what they wanted to and just had a smile on their face while doing it. Right. Like <laughs> Steve Nash really didn't care at all. I I'm, I'm sure he heard it over and over again, how gross that was. And he's like, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> man, he should have won a title. And that, that was the other thing too. That, that Ori <laughs> hit that was, and they suspended Amari. He should have won a title. Yeah, it still hurts me. I was a Suns fan, I guess. I was a Nash fan. That still hurts. What, me. By the way, I always think of that whenever, like now, the Spurs are like the endearing like team that everyone wants oh, to be like. I'm like, yeah. do you not remember the OOS? They were like the epitome of like the team that kind of like cheated their way to win. Like, I, won't, I won't say they cheated, but like Bruce Bowen. Everything was controversial with them, right? Everything was like Bruce Bowen, Robert Ory. All this, it, it, it never seemed like there was like a clean win. Which is, you know, you think about it and you're going to think about the Warriors from that aspect 10 years from now. People aren't going to say that KD, like, did this or whatever. You're not going to say this team, like... Oh, Zaza. <laughs> you know, like, like nobody's going to remember Zaza. Like, there is not a single person outside of, like, historians of basketball 10 years from now and that's going to remember that. And Yeah. Like, if the Warriors went 16-0, and actually, I, I, that would be remembered. But 16-1 and in a title, like, there, nobody is going to care or know that Zaza slipped under Kawhi's ankle and took him out for that series. But but that's kind you of know, speaks technically, to the I, it, it always bothers me if Ron says Zaza did it when technically David Lee uh, tripped him the first time where he rolled his ankle, like two plays before that. Former warrior, David Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Zaza's always tripping too. Like, I mean, he, um, is, he is one of the clumsier players. God, he's been so bad this season. I don't even want to talk about it. I can't. Zaza was one of my favorites when he was signed on the team uh year before the beginning of last year, but damn, he's been bad. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got one more um to go on because we we like to make this. We've we touched on KD and Steph and we're going to do more Steph. So we got Trey Young backlash that we want to talk about. It's funny, isn't it, right? Like he was must see TV a month ago, and now it's like, should he even go pro? Should he should he even go pro? He should stay in college another year. Which, by the way, do not stay in college another year. He's not going to fall out of the lottery. That alone, like, what what are you going to do? Go back to school so you can be a lottery pick again and just not get paid and risk, you know, risk not getting paid and all that sort of stuff. Like, this is the thing that gets me. If you're going to be a lottery pick. There's no downside to not coming out. A team's not going to cut you, and you're just going to develop on someone's dime getting five to six million dollars a year, right? There is, there's no, there's no reason for him to stay. Yeah, like facilities wise, they're going to say, hey, he needs to stay to get bigger or whatever. Like, dude, the NBA is literally there for you. They have state of the art weight rooms and nutritionists and anybody that can get you into that NBA grow man's body. That's what it's for, right? And a jump shot like that, it's not where hey, he's just hella athletic. He's just got to work on the rest of his game. It's not. It's it's he's actually pretty athletic. He can dribble. He can do he's all quick. that. He, the only thing he can't do is carry a bunch of scrubs to a bunch of wins. I mean, he can shoot like that's that's what he does. So I mean, it's not like his buddy healed. Like I've seen, like the guy can actually dribble. Like he can actually handle the ball. 
Um, he's not a JJ Redick where he's just coming off screens all day long or a Jimmer Fredette where you can't move um, at all uh, when you talk about NBA size and speed. But I do find it interesting that um, everything that you've seen in terms of Steph, in terms of his rise, how great he is, what he's done, and then his criticism, it's all like it's all encapsulated in this like month long span with Trey Young. We've heard it all. Like you've pretty much been saying, like he's a game changer. He, his gravity's crazy. He's dropping 30 for a team. That's not that great. That's that was what ranked like fifth or something. And then yeah, all they're of a sudden, the top five at one point. It's crazy. What are they now? Like 20? Or, they're or not 15? ranked. They're not ranked. So they're not even ranked. So now, now it's like that. See with the NBA, it's different, right? You, you, you take that time off. It, it doesn't matter. There's no rankings. It's just standings, but with with college basketball, it's it's now it's hey, is he too small? Right? Is he too slow? He doesn't play defense. That's what I saw earlier too. He doesn't play defense. I mean, he really doesn't play defense. But it's it's, <laughs> it's like it's it's college hoop. You know what I mean? Steph Curry didn't play defense, so it, with him, he's not going to be a guy that plays defense anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like he's do, small, are you really drafting him than, to play defense? He's smaller and stuff. Yeah. If you're drafting him to play defense, you shouldn't be a scout. Like, then go pick up another job, but. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Uh, it, it's interesting how he's viewed because it really reminds me. It really is the exact same way as Steph. It's just that there's way more visibility in him now than Steph ever had in college. So right? a, and, and the drafting thing is interesting because I do think he's probably going to go somewhere between five and twelve. You know, on the conservative side. So let's say seven, eight, kind of where he's probably going to land. And guys who are just objectively bigger physical freaks will go above him. Um, and maybe they should because they're safer. Like you kind of feel like a 6'10", 6'11", like athletic big man is more likely going to project to be a solid pro to a plus side guy. But like we already know if, if Trey Young actually hits his ceiling, which he may not, um, that's going to be the more impactful player, right? Like we we're seeing it. We've seen it with Steph. If you can get a point guard who can shoot like that and move the ball like that, you've, you've changed just the whole landscape of the way your entire team can play. You don't even need to put great players around. You just need to put competent players around them. Which by the way, it's one of the most annoying things in terms of another Steph criticism. It's that if he makes players around him do, if he makes players around him good, that's somehow a slight on him and that he has too much help around him. It's crazy how that's that's kind of the mental gymnastics there. So I don't know Oklahoma. I don't know if their, te- their teammates are good. But with Steph, it's, we do know that Draymond actually you know, has never actually been good on offense. And Clay, to me, I know you disagree, but to me is not more anything more than a volume-based like 18 to 20-point score without Steph on that team. And Steph has elevated that team to two straight finals and a title and two MVPs. So, I mean, that's, you build around that guy. You don't, you don't put that guy in and hope that he works out. I was going to say that the Sacramento Kings are going to draft him because they're the Kings, but I don't think they have their pick. No, <laughs> they, do, they do. They, oh, they do. do. They don't <laughs> next year. So they'll take him. So I think he's going, I think he's going to Phoenix. I think we're going to, I think we're going to hear about how Trey Young and Devin Booker are the new splash brothers. Oh, but it's not, it's just not going to be the same. Uh, <laughs> well, Devin Booker's got to play defense, but, um, but damn, that would be cool. That would be, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, I do think it's uh, it, it kind of speaks to like we people acknowledge like 
the effect Steph has, but then when it comes down to like gun to your head, everyone goes back to traditionalist point of views. So they're like, uh, well, <laughs> well, this, but this, you know, this other guy can, you know, I, I know he can dunk the ball. So <laughs> it's, it's like that sort of thing, right? Like it's, you know, you can say the game's changed, but ultimately change it takes a lot longer than seeing someone do it one time. It's like, it takes generations for people to like get out of their instinctual way of thinking of things. Oh, I like that. I like that. Cause we're going to see a lot of guys like Trey young that come up that, um, I mean, I saw someone yesterday that was saying Damian Lillard is the same. If you swap Damon Steph, the Warriors are just going to be the same, if not better. So, I mean, the, these guys, I mean, they're going to reach that point where, where everybody's the same, right? Everybody's just going to think mean, he's the next Steph Curry. Have you, have you seen Lou Will this year? What's the difference? <laughs> um, although I will say, man, if they wanted to keep Damon in the sec, in the fourth quarter of that All-Star game over Steph, I wouldn't be in post. Damon's late. <laughs> um, sure. Do you want to go? Anything else? Anything no, else? I, think, I think we're good today. We're good. Oh, oh, one more thing. One more thing. So if people like or don't like this podcast, if you guys have made it this far, make sure Apple Podcasts, type in Light Years Pod, wherever you are, whoever you are, whoever's iPhone you have, make sure to type in Light Years Podcast, hit subscribe, hit the questions. We had a hilarious one last week saying some dude just saying that they hated us in the comments. So shout out to that person. Um, feel free to just say you hate us in the comments, but hit five stars before you do that. Um, and of course, subscribe before you do that. So. Yeah, the ideal review is to say something really mean about us but then hit five stars so people can read the comments and hear how much it sucks but then see the five star rating and get very confused <laughs> so, and then they'll listen it's, the, the, the curiosity will eat them they'll listen it's alright alright let's get out of here Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.